What's up, guys? We are on our first episode on our podcast. Are you excited? Um, I don't know what to expect. This is kind of new for both of us. Uh, this was kind of my idea, but we, or at least I, wanted to start it just to, you know, promote some awareness on how people view interracial couples. Um, what we think about, what we talk about, what we eat, our arguments, our conversations, and such like that. That I wanted to talk about. And uh, this is going to be random topics, but mostly to do with some type of uh, perspe- perception of point of views on, I guess, the Asian culture side and um, African American side. So. Um, I think one of the things that I, you know, right now that's going on that I find um, profound that we should talk about is, of course, Black Lives Matters and everything that's going on with uh, the media and and stuff like that. So that's let's talk about that for a little bit. <clears throat> what do you? What is your thoughts on? The, the situation right now. That's a really heavy question. I wish I had time to think about it and think about my thoughts before I had to comment on it on a recording. So, um, it's a really heavy topic. Yeah, it is. Um, with at least with my perspective perspective of things is that it does affect me a lot because both my kids are half black and I sometimes worry about um, you know as they get older and if change doesn't happen that the continuation of um, stereotypes and discrimination will have a long-term effect on them and so with that I definitely stand stand strong on the movement, peaceful protesting, and just letting uh, voices be heard, and stop police brutality, stuff like that. Mm. Well, for me, I think, you know, for biracial people, I don't think that they necessarily will have as bad of a struggle as people who have two black parents. Uh, they have their own struggles that are different as being biracial, but I don't think it's the same struggles that a two-parent black person would have. Yeah, I completely agree. So I don't think that my child will struggle as much or have as much against him as my brothers have had. Right. With them being two parent black men here. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. I think that, um, like, in my perspective, is it's I definitely understand and empathize on that opinion. But until I guess I am in those shoes, it's hard for me to really, really have a true, uh, insightful perspective of that 
Um, but just from an Asian perspective, um, I know that the the African American movement um, this goes back to the civil rights and with MLK and Malcolm X um, and even Nelson Mandela in 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 Africa that it's a that is something that I don't see many Asian people doing like in other countries uh, right now of, co- of course Hong Kong you know they're having their you know protests to um, with China um, but as far as like in America like the biggest movements on equality and justice have been from from at least what I've learned through African Americans their movement um, you know have caused historic changes in the United States and that is something that's like it's it's I would be so, you know, I am proud, definitely, but, you know, just being African-American right now in this moment, I would be so proud, you know, with everything that's going on and just the changes that are happening and just a voice being heard, um, you know, it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing time. Um, I don't think I necessarily feel proud because uh, a lot of things are going on that still stereotype us even though it's not necessarily just us doing things like looting and setting things on fire but because it's Black Lives Matter Black people are still going to blame for that and even though it's not primarily us doing things like that that part of it is embarrassing to have friends over in different countries and they're you know asking me about black lives matter and they see things going on in america and they think it's just black people creating chaos and that part for me is very embarrassing um i feel like there's a way to go about things and those people that are doing things uh in an appropriate manner and doing things in a civil way I do feel proud for that, but that is not what's getting attention. Right. The negative things are getting attention. And for me, it's embarrassing that the negative things are outweighing the positive, uh, even though it's not just black people that are out rioting and, you know, busting windows at the CNN Center. It's yeah. not just black people, there's different ethnic groups out there, but it's looked at as, oh, these are black people doing Black Lives Matter and they're, you know, destroying their own communities and it's not just black people. Yeah, did, did you see when they were in Atlanta, they're, <clears throat> the person that was breaking the glasses, it was, it was like the camera guy was inside of the CNN Center and he was filming outwards and the person that was actually breaking the glass was a white guy he had a skateboard and he was like smashing the windows and then it was like but nobody's gonna talk about that right 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 but that you brought that up is that you know a lot of people other than African Americans are in this movement but like you said that when something happens 
you know, that is more on the negative side, they're going to, you know, the media is going to try to um, call us thugs, right? Criminals, right? Beast predators, they're out doing this, and that's not how black people are. I mean, every ethnic group has their good and bad, but for some reason, black people are seen as only having bad with a few good. So that's my experience growing up. And so when I see things that are happening, I feel embarrassed because of it, because we're gonna be black again. Yeah. Regardless. Yeah, it's pretty it's 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 hard. It's like you're this this fight is is something that you know I think it's necessary it's just man it's this media social media and the way they broadcast it sometimes it is kind of kind of sad and and it's like they see they especially media you know they they like they can record something that's like an hour long and that one minute something crazy happens they take that one minute and that's the whole news you know while this whole thing is an hour long sort of like when you're you know having a conversation with somebody someone could take that out of context and just use a little phrase that you said but without actually taking the time to listen to the whole conversation that little portion is you know blown way out the water and i think that's what media does and as long as they get the views and stuff like that they're gonna you know do stuff like that yeah. Nowadays, travels faster than good news. Right. Well, it seems like no one's traveling right now. <laughs> so, you know what's the hardest food to make? As as an Asian person that worked in restaurants for a long time, the hardest thing I think I ever made was curry. Have you ever made curry before? I have not. I don't really have the palate for curry. Oh. Uh, well, like, though you don't have the palate for curry, curry is just a powder, right? And so, like, this powder, it's, you have to, you know, if, like, let's say you're cooking chicken or whatever, or beef, and you have vegetables mixed together, you think that just because you sprinkle curry on it, that this thing is going to be curry chicken or curry beef that curry tastes like curry like it doesn't taste there's no that most curry has like a milky sweet taste to it well if you just took curry and sprinkled it on meat it doesn't taste like that and so like you gotta add coconut milk you gotta add whatever sweetness and then make it to the right density so it doesn't become too thick or too saucy but like I went to the Asian market, H Mart, and then so I was looking at, you know, because I haven't had curry in a long time, so I was like, man, what am I going to do to make curry and make it taste good? Well, now since I guess they know that there is a problem with making curry like taste good, they actually have these like cubes which you saw me make. You literally cook your food. You add a little bit of water and you throw these cubes in there and they just become the curry sauce and it tastes pretty good. And you smelled it. You smelled it. It had a profound smell, didn't it? Yeah, curry does. 
is Curry's pretty used worldwide too. You know, like most, like for me, I thought when I was younger, when I was a lot more ignorant than I am now, uh, <laughs> I thought Curry was just like an Indian thing, right? And then I realized as I got a little bit older, like Thailand food is curry. Most Thai, there's red curry, there's Pasamon curry. Remember you took me to the Thai, I took you to the Thai restaurant, you took me to the other Thai restaurant? Off of Ponce de Leon? Did you like their spring rolls or something like that? Yeah, I took you. Yeah, like, like, looking, do you remember like their menu on how many curries they had? I don't. Like, but just take my word for it. There's like at least three. Red, yellow, (laughs) which is a lot more, more is, is just what I can think about right now. And then when I got a little bit older, I didn't even know Jamaicans mess with curry like that. Like, so now it's like my whole perspective of curry is it's it's so broadened. Like when I eat curry now, I don't think about Indians. I don't think about Asians. I don't think about Jamaicans. I just think it's a dish. You know how like if you eat fried rice, you feel like, oh yeah, this is Asian or Chinese, right? Mm-hmm. That's, I don't think like that about curry. <laughs> So <laughs> I think about it just like a general, like a general food now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's curry. Curry's random. It's so random that everybody in the world uses it. That's how random curry is. You should try. Have you ever tried it? Yes, I have. Oh. I don't have the palate for it. Maybe you just haven't had the right curry. No, curry. <clears throat> I've had red but I don't like it. Yeah. Well, so as we continue the podcast and stuff, like, what are some things that you want to address? That nothing it doesn't have to be serious, but when things, what the people that are listening to us right now, what do you think they're? What is? What are they trying to capture out of this? If they see a title that's a little bit, you know, they know it's a a, a black woman and an Asian man doing a podcast and they're in a relationship and have a child and they're listening. They're what do you think they're trying to get out of it? Maybe support. Uh, support. I don't think that a lot of black women when they date outside of their uh, ethnicity or their black community I don't think that they have a lot of support and I think they get looked at as like a traitor or they get looked at as like oh you're trying to be better or you think you're better or she's not black enough because she's with this other person that's not black and so I think that if anyone, uh, especially a black woman, is listening, then she is probably looking for some type of comfort or support with the relationship she's in or with her thoughts of trying to date outside of the black community. Because I know there's a lot of black women that do want to look out outside of the black community to date. But like I said, you know, we really get 
like a mouthful from other black people really about dating outside like we, we really are looked at as like traitors or we're trying to be better or we're trying to be whatever it is that we're dating or we have self-hate uh that's why we're dating outside or we have a problem with black people which is not necessarily true for everyone but that is kind of the stigma we get and so I feel like it would be comforting for them to hear someone and I'm pretty confident like I've dated outside of my uh, ethnicity prior so I'm, I feel very confident and self-aware of what I'm doing and how I feel and so I really don't get swayed by uh, other people's opinions about it or thoughts about it so hopefully that will be kind of a spark for others to create their own confidence do you think that a black woman that is wanting to date outside of the black race are they like are they certain what race they want to try to get involved in or they're just like okay let me just taste around <laughs> you know like like you said that like you know, taste around, you know, like go around and just, you know, like a all-you-can-eat buffet. You I, can don't, go to- I don't know nothing about sampling. I, I mean, there might be some women that go out and they have a particular ethnicity. As someone that listens to K-pop, I can tell you there are plenty of girls that have their eyes set on finding some Korean opa that they can sit there and like lust over. But I personally would not recommend doing that. I think you should be open to anybody that's going to come in and love you and treat you well and treat you with respect, regardless of their ethnicity. They could be black, they could be Asian, they could be Hispanic. You shouldn't, I don't feel like you should worry about that part rather than how that person treats you. I think it's more important than tasting a bunch of people (laughs) well that's like so back in like school right like high school and stuff you've never heard like somebody that just says i only date black guys or i only date white people you know like those people as a black woman you hear that a lot with black men i've I don't want to call nobody out, but (laughs) I've heard it very, no, I'm not going to call nobody out, but I've heard it very close, and these are people I really know, and they only date, like, Hispanic women, or they only like white girls, like, that's very common for black men to say and to do, but then, again, that goes into what I was saying earlier, where black women are seen as like traitors but if a black man has a preference for someone who has lighter skin whether they're like a light-skinned black person or a biracial black person um or hispanic or whatever it's okay for them to do it 
like now paying for a black woman to do it. So I've definitely heard, and it's not even in high school, this is just life. Like I've heard this uh, affinity for hat for wanting a type of ethnicity, which I don't personally think that's right. But yeah. I mean, that's, that's you pretty can disguise it as a preference if you want, but to me, it's a fetish. Like, yeah, it's more of a fetish. It's a yeah, weird. yeah, because it's it's like if that's almost like you know if you say okay, I only date white guys or I only date white people. Like you know how many ugly white people there are. Well, you know, what? like how can you just say oh. I only so okay if there's a really good looking Hispanic guy and then there's a really ugly looking white guy since you only date white people are you going to go for the white guy over the Hispanic guy just because he's white that's stupid I kind of feel like men men really do that though like Um, I know a ton of Asian men that they can have a gorgeous black woman in front of them and a really sleazy looking white girl in front of them, they will still pick the white girl because that's what they have a fetish for uh, and that's that colorism that comes into play same thing with black men they can have a really beautiful black girl in front of them and they can have a really sleazy looking white girl and she don't have to be white she can be Hispanic or any other ethnicity and they will still choose the latter of the two because of the hierarchy that comes with any other ethnicity other than being black. Black women are at the bottom. Nobody wants a black woman. Nobody goes out and it's like, oh, black women are so gorgeous and blah, blah, blah. And if they do, it's light-skinned black women. And I mean, I'm not light-skinned. I don't consider myself dark-skinned. I'm just brown. But I can understand darker-skinned black women's pain that they really get looked at. We as black women get looked at as not being attractive already. And then within that, darker skinned black women really get put at the bottom. And that's within the black community and that's with outside the black community. See, I, I me growing up, I never thought that black women thought that of themselves. Like, but it's not that we think that of ourselves. It's kind of how we're treated and like what we're like not told, but but like, like most... if you look at, for example, Destiny's Child, right? Beyonce is the white skin one. Yes, okay. and she's the one that's put up front. She's and they can all sing. Kelly and Michelle, they all can sing very well. And even Kelly has talked about it. Kelly's the darker skinned one. And she really did not get the attention. Even when she went solo, she still did not get the same amount of buzz that Beyonce got. And even Beyonce's dad has come out and said if Beyonce wasn't light skinned, she may not be as popular as she is. And if you look at our music industry, subliminally it is shown that dark skin I mean who do you know in the music industry that is dark skin has been extremely successful there's like nobody like you're light skin right or you're a brownish light skin and then you're the 
Facebook this or the Facebook that. But right. There's little to no dark-skinned women that are shown to us black women and darker skinned black women and so when you don't see your representation and you don't see it as being attractive then you you start thinking like okay well I'm probably not attractive you look at makeup ads it's white people or some lighter skin you know when I say white people I just mean like white skin uh Spanish person or Italian person, just white skin, or just a light skinned black person, right. like in these makeup ads, and it's like one in a million you see this dark skinned person. So when you don't see yourself represented, you start wanting to look more like what is being represented as beauty. Well, that is that is a very good per- like it opened my eyes because like. From an Asian man, men, or I guess man, because I'm speaking for myself, is that when you see a black woman, most black women are strong, not just like physically, but you know, they have a voice and they, they usually, you know, when you speak to a, a black woman, they don't seem like they're not confident, you know, like most, most, like, that's why I think most people, um, you know, like in the hip hop game, you know, like, I think that, like, when you look at the African-American culture, it's like, it's so, most things that I've seen, like, African-Americans are all confident, they're all proud, they're all, you know, and... You and, have to be, though. Right, right, and that's, and it, for you to say that, you know, you felt that, you know, dark, you know, black women, especially darker-skinned black women, have this, you know cloud over them that they're not beautiful and they're on the bottom it it really gave me a different perspective on like you know how what i see and what maybe they're actually thinking about um and that goes to i guess like for the asian men that maybe want to try outside of you know their usual I keep trying. <laughs> that is short. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking about food because I was thinking about taste. Yeah. Meal or no meal. Uh, <laughs> but I was, uh, you know, me personally too. Like it's, it's almost um, intimidating to go and speak to a black woman because they are so proud and so confident that you feel like you can't match that level and so that you feel like, oh man, she's never gonna say yes to me. And so that's why I think, especially, you know, Asian men, or the Asian culture, um, of course it's changing, but you're talking about like centuries, thousands of years, Asian women and Asian men, they're, you know, very, um private with their social life right until of course recently but like my mom and dad you i've never seen them kiss in my life like i've never seen them say i love you i've never seen anything i've just seen them like make fun of each other and they'll cook food for one another and that's like the love that they show each other how me? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, you're pretty much like that. No. Yeah. No, I think that black women have to be like that because there's so much 
negativity against us already we're already stereotyped um i mean if you if someone looked at me and then looked at you like based on like not knowing our background like people would automatically think like oh she's ghetto or she not knowing that is the other way around pretty much (laughs) i mean (laughs) i'm not ghetto you pretty much are like so, but I'm going to get stereotyped and right. I feel like black women get that stigma of, oh, they're so strong. And it's like, we're really not. We're just women and we cry, we hurt, we need people to help us and hold us up too. Like we're not as strong as people think we are, but we still get told like, oh, you're strong and you don't need anybody to come check on you and it's like no we do like we really do we're not as strong as people think but of course we have to act like that and have to be like that even though we're not I mean it's that fake confidence of you know I know I'm gonna get you know looked at this way so let me go out and just you know put my head up high and you know, let me not care about what anybody says, but I mean, we hear what people say about right. people. But that's how you should, though. That's how you, I mean, but I I'm wish, saying, like, I wish I was. But it doesn't negate from how we feel. We still hear it. And though we may not show it in public, we still hear it and, we, and it still affects us. And it may only just affect us in private, but we're not as confident and strong as everybody makes us out to be. Like, we're still just people. Like, skin color does not make you stronger. Like, that's crazy to think that. We're just, we just, like, we have to fight for everything. So, that's the mentality that we have because right. we're not stronger than anybody else. We still fight. Yeah. But, you know, just from the outside looking in, you don't, you don't, at least I don't, and most of the people that I do know would agree with me that you don't see that you don't see that you see the strong and you know the the proud african-american woman that walks around you know so that's a i mean i'm pretty sure whoever's listening probably you know just like me talking to you right now that's something i i made up i may have thought about it years and years ago but just you saying that right now definitely you know opened my eyes to it a little bit more on you know how people look at African American women and you know Beyonce. <laughs> well, now I'm thinking like, yeah, you're right. Beyonce is pretty much. I mean, her. I'm probably darker than Beyonce. She just has like a couple of features that make her you know African American, but overall, like, she's pretty light. She's like, I mean, she's like a. A white person with a decent tan, you know, like she's not dark at all. And, you know, maybe because of that, white people felt like they could be a little bit more, un- you know, they could relate she's to the safe option. Yeah, she- they could relate they to her more. Safe. And if you're too dark, then yeah. you are looked at as dangerous. Yeah. The lighter you are, the safer. Yes. The more appealing you are, the lighter you are, the more you're. Uh, features are more European looking, which means they're more and that's white a, looking. And then the crazy thing is, like, okay, of course, in 
Asia, most Asians want to be like pale and white because for whatever reason. But in America, white people always go get tans. Like they want to be darker. Like being pale in America, I don't know. I don't really talk to that many people, but me me growing up, being pale, like people made fun of you if you were pale. We used to have this like one guy, he was from Poland and he was like, oh my, he was albino pale you know like he was so pale and like he used to hate it but then like if you were in asia and you were that pale you would be like oh my god k-pop superstar you know or something like that right you'd be you'd be people like you're so beautiful yeah it's so crazy like the world and the perception of everybody oh that just tells everyone that there's colorism in every ethnicity right it's not just black people that deal with colorism where the lighter you are the more beautiful it's also in asian culture the lighter you are the more beautiful well the asian culture i don't know if you probably know this but probably. <laughs> well it's because people that are dark in asia obviously are not working in offices or they're not they're out there freaking in a rice field or agriculture and they're in the sun construction workers and they come home and they looking like me when they come home so like people are like oh you're not freaking rich you're broke so bad but if you go out there and you're freaking pale oh your family's so rich that you don't actually have to work or you're rich because you work inside of a building and you type on a keyboard well, I think or it's something. the same kind of concept. Have you heard of that before? I have. Yeah. But, like, even back in the day during uh, slavery, I mean, the darker black people had to go out and work in the field, and they only put the light-skinned people in the, in house? the house. Wow. Which a lot of the light-skinned people ended up being a product of rape between, you know, maybe an outside slave and whoever was in charge of that slave yeah but they would put the lighter skin because of course light skin is safe and light skin is more appealing and the lighter you are the more european your features look so they didn't look as black as you know the slave uh i don't want to say the word but you know the n-word the field n-words so they were let in the house and were able to, you know, be in close quarters with the master. So. It's so crazy that, like, that wasn't that long ago, you know, like, it's, it's so crazy that, like, there's people in, in this world right now that were that one that their grandfather or their mother was a slave owner you know like it wasn't that long ago like even there could be somebody now that used to be probably a slave owner that's old enough but it's like the the last century of evolution is it evolution or rev- revolution or what would you call it the change <laughs> in history has been substantial like like it is so crazy that like look at where we are today like 
we are doing a podcast like just you know like technology and just things have just changed so much and then it seems like it's been forever but it's really not that long ago like race like true slavery like big time racism like it wasn't that long ago even when um i think it was in 1960 or 1950 where you a black white person was not legally allowed to marry a white person like it wasn't even like half a century ago it was like 40 like 52 53 years ago so but we have definitely come a long way and i honestly think that regardless of how things are going right now i think the outcome of it will be a better place yeah i definitely but i mean some people they have a long lineage of hatred for other people and it may take time to change that and a lot of people are really good at masking their racism and that is going to be the biggest fight for those that are quiet about their racism and are able to get away with it that's going to hinder a lot of things so for everybody that's listening who is your favorite Asian artist K-pop artist for all the K-pop fans out there I don't know okay who is your favorite Asian artist I might as well be who's your favorite Asian artist just name one Zion T. I never heard of him. I've tried to look him up. All I know of G Dragon. G Dragon. I've heard of him. Yeah. Me and G Dragon go ways back. Like ways with a Z back. You know, just you know that G Dragon song called. Ways like bang bang booga dang dang, you know, just that oh, thing. Okay. Or he's all like one, two, three, you know, that song. He's missing a private like session or something. You know, Asian connection, Asian persuasion. What's the corniest pickup line that you ever had? Uh, I don't think I've ever. Girl, if I could rearrange the alphabet, I'll put you and I together. You like that one? Just to break the ice, you know, when you meet something, it's like, oh, that's, that's so funny. How did you come up with that? And then they're really like, I don't course. think any girls really like to pick up lines. No. Maybe that's like an old thing to do. I don't, I don't know. think that would work I've been... in this day and age. These kids, <laughs> these kids, these kids, these kids are not that bright. So, what do you have? So, these kids, if you were back, if you were a teenager, 
and you were to pick up somebody or how like what is the approach now what is since you're these kids are pretty bold really they're just like oh yeah like i like you you like me let's hang out yeah i mean they're pretty bold these kids are really i wish i was bold like, I'm scared they even talk to They me. have Cashier. Snapchat and they have this mm-hmm. other app. Which I'm, Tinder. I'm old. No, these kids are these kids are not on Tinder. I mean, they make match match.com. No, no, they're not dating. They're like messaging apps, but like you can send like a message, like a picture, or like a video, and then like the person has like five seconds to look at it or something. Like and that. they swipe it, and it just disappears. What if you like it? You just hold on to it. Dude, you, I guess you can try to like screenshot it or something. But In like, five seconds, like you that's can... how long it lasts, and then it disappears. So these kids be sending all these crazy things, mm. and then like because it disappears, you know. So like they're just really bold with what they send, like to each other. And trust me, I know because these kids be telling me. I need to talk, be like talk to Jai about that. Oh, honey, he's been doing stuff like that. I know, this boy, this crazy boy. But we're not going to put nobody's business. Yeah, not out there. (laughs) Not on Nickelodeon. Yeah. That's a whole nother subject. Yeah. You can see how comfortable he is that he's talking about stuff like that. Because that is his business. True, true. Well, it's coming up to 40-something minutes. I think we are good to end the podcast here. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll come back next week with another podcast. Um, Nicole, is there, Nikki, is there anything you want to say? No. Okay. I'm just good. <laughs> Very calm and just precise with what I have to say. All right. Well, I appreciate everybody listening. You guys have a wonderful week. Enjoy, love, peace, and understanding. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye.